0: Good morning. Um, Those who are uh, my prayer warriors out there this morning, uh, please be praying. Um, It's going to be hard to get through this morning, I feel like. Uh, You guys are my family, and I love you. And I don't think you'll ever understand how much um, the impact that you've had on my life and my family's life. And I need uh, my nerves to calm down. It's already nervous enough to be up here and speaking in front of you, but um, I love you guys. And this is a hard morning. And if this is your first Sunday, uh, welcome. This is a great church. They are a great family. They are loving, kind. They're full of grace, because I have felt it. I know I've uh, stumbled sometimes through here, and uh, it's been a loving place to help me stumble. And I love it here. Uh, So, all right, we're done. All right, we'll try. Um, Welcome. We are starting a series, The Table. And I brought up a table up here and some some nice stools, and there's something missing this morning. So, I'm going to ask... Um, my favorite siblings that are not my siblings but their siblings and they like their name so much they named them twice Cameron and Cameron can you come up here yeah they're both named Cameron and they're related I love it you'll have to ask them about it take a seat (laughs) Um, I'm not going to make you sit up here the whole time but you want to. Uh, it's still kind of missing something. It's kind of awkward now. They get to sit up here and you get to stare at them. So I'm going to give them something to do while they're up here um, to make it even better. You, you got to. You have to. All right. Here's some donuts. All right. This makes it so much better, right? The table is complete. Right? Um. When I was preparing for this this morning and last night, I was thinking about the table. And what does the table mean to me? It's more than um, four legs, one leg, and a piece of wood. It is so much more than that. Uh, it makes me think of uh, a time when I was dating Michelle, and she invited me over to her family for the first time I ever got to eat with her family, and... Uh, right as I'm about to take a bite of uh, her mom's roast, roast that night, she spills this fact that I don't know where it came from. She just goes, Mom, Ben hates roast. <laughs> it's the first time I ever met him. So I knew I found the one that was for me right there. Um, and she had gotten a speeding ticket on the way to her house, and I had known it, and she said, please don't say anything. So the rest of the meal is like, Man, you're so fast at eating that potato. Man, you need a ticket. And finally your mom kind of like wised up and asked, what happened? And she had to spill it. But that was all because she started it. (laughs) The table, right? Um, Table even means so much more now being a dad. Uh, um, I get to yell at my kids to eat their vegetables because I want them to be healthy. But it's also an opportunity to sit there and, so how was your day? It was good. Well, tell me more. <laughs> Why was it good? I had P.E. I love P.E. What would you do? Line tag. Tell me about it. Like, it just keeps going on, right? That's the table. It, it, it was moments also recently our table uh, invited a, a time for tears. Uh, I chose Well, probably wasn't a fun time for Michelle um, to tell my kids that we're moving at the dinner table. And it was tough. Uh, Natalie was uh, all sorts of emotions, like within 60 seconds. Oh, yay! I'm going to miss my friends. I get new friends. That's how she was. Jackson kind of internalized it. Still was eating, but... He's a slow eater anyway. He's the last one at the table anyway. This just slowed him up even more. All right? And by the third bite, he was trying really hard to hold back tears. And I remember sitting there going, buddy, it's okay to cry. It's a good thing that you're crying. This means you've made a home here. You've got friends here. The, t- the table provided that moment. Right, we have many moments where uh, the table, if we take advantage, can provide amazing moments. Uh, one of my, my favorite moments as being a youth pastor here for the past, I want to say, I think we've done it seven years. Am I wrong? Maybe six years for Thanksgiving. We, as the youth staff, have um, done a Thanksgiving meal for our, our teens where we serve them, where we provide the atmosphere of a thanksgiving meal and those have been amazing moments we sit down in the youth room and we have four tables lined up it's really nicely made the lights are dimmed and we serve them and it provides an atmosphere where these teens are so thankful. And we sit around and we eat and we tell jokes and we have fun. And, and then we tell how God has moved us this past year. And we give thanks to him. I'll always remember those times. That was at the table. It was really cool. These are really cool moments. Um, tables are also hard times too. remember nine years old and my mom sitting me down and saying listen we're moving we're moving from Florida to Illinois and your dad's not coming with us that was a rough dinner it was tough that's the table you guys can take a seat if you want to take the donuts go for it This morning I want to talk about a couple moments in scripture that talks about the table. And how Jesus uses it. Uh, very first one is found in Luke 5, 27-32. And he sits down with the tax collectors. Now, you've got to understand, I, you know, we joke about... That today about the disdain of paying taxes and the IRS. And, but during this time, they are legitimately hated. Tax collectors during this time um, were despised by the whole. They were protected, but they were despised by the whole. And some of the reason why they were despised is because they would come around and they would put an extra tax on people so they can fill their own pockets. That's how they got paid. But nobody liked that. And they had had the government behind them, so they couldn't nobody could do anything about it. So it was just a legitimate hate of stealing towards these people. And in Luke 5, you have Jesus going to a table with Levi and his friends and the tax collectors. They're all tax collectors. And it all kind of started, he started walking with Levi and talking with Levi, and instantly Levi's like, This guy's awesome. You know what? I'm going to host a party and I'm going to invite him over to my house. And Jesus had a choice here, but I don't think he viewed it as a choice. He was like, Absolutely, I'm going. But he had a choice. He could go to this person's house that's despicable, that, that the community that in which he found himself hated, that the church at that time didn't want anything to do with. And he was there. And he partied with them. And he sat and had a great time with them. And he shared... The story of life with them. He shared the gospel with them. And how do I know that? It doesn't say it in scripture, but the reality is Levi changed. In Matthew, you see Levi coming from Matthew to, or from Levi to Matthew. And there's other times in Scripture you see somebody changing their name. And what that means is usually is they were once this person and now they're somebody else. And they dramatically changed spiritually. And no longer is he called Levi, he's called Matthew because of what God has done in his life through Jesus Christ at this moment of sitting at his table. He loved him. He showed Levi this unconditional grace and mercy where Levi was not naive to the fact that nobody liked him. That he was viewed in a horrible light. And Jesus sat at his table while the church, and at that time we called them, they were Pharisees, sat there and watched this and talked to his disciples and asked them, why is your Messiah, why is your rabbi sitting with them? Doesn't he know who they are? How can he be caught eating the same food, drinking the same drink with them? They're horrible people. And Jesus heard them. This is also crazy. I can't imagine sitting at a table at somebody's house and people walking by and going, what's he doing? Why is he doing this? Right in front of him. And he speaks up. Who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Who needs salvation, the lost or the found? And they instantly kind of like, oh, okay, walk away. They took their shot and they got, they got put down again. The next one, uh, the next table that I looked at was uh, the Last Supper. And you can find that in Luke 22, 7 through 38. And you have two different kind of moments here of, of table scenes. You have one where it's just completely a new life, new beginning, lost. And Jesus sits with them and and brings life and brings new beginnings to their lives and shows them that there's this world that is broken to them can be healed. And then he sits out with his buddies. That he's traveled around with for a long time at the Last Supper, and he knows that it's his Last Supper. And they don't quite, they still don't quite understand it. And the scene becomes like super intimate. I think of it in the way that he starts with washing their feet. Our Savior, down on his knees cleaning them and then you got the overzealous Peter first says no don't don't touch my feet I need to be cleaning you and Peter and he says Peter calm down if you don't let me do this you won't know my grace and peace and love and then Peter goes well do all of me then and he goes this is where you need to be cleaned just so intimate Showing us to be a servant. These are his disciples. One thing that, that I learned um, when I used to think of the disciples, I used to always think they were like the top notch of probably Jesus went and got the straight A students to follow him. And, and one of the things I learned on early was that that's not true. He found the ones that were dropouts and losers from school that went home to work with their parents because they couldn't make it through school. And guess what? That gave me hope. It should give us hope. For three years, he walked around with these guys and loved on them. And he sits down at this table and he has the tough talk. One of you are going to betray me. And instantly, they all kind of, I think, thought to themselves, oh, it's not me, right? It's it's not me, right, Lord? And Judas already knew. In my humanness, I would have thought for myself, if I knew one of my best friends is about to betray me, they're not going to sit at my table with me. I wouldn't have wiped their feet clean. But this is why Jesus is Jesus and I am not. Judas stays at the table. And it just gives us more of an example of what Christ's love is all about and how we're called beyond what we are called in this world. In this world, it says you should move on. Jesus said you stay still and love them. Oh, Uncomfortable. And then he shows them communion. He lifts up a piece of bread, and he stand. I, I can just imagine it in my head. He stands up in front of them and says, "You know, it's a big table. You got to fit all of them around it." And he he says, "This is my body. This represents my body. And I break this for you." And they take it. And then he lifts up the glass. And he goes, this, this represents my blood that I spill for you. And they take that. Very intimate moment. Sitting at the table, he took it so intentional to help them grow. to help them give to give them the tools for when he does move on they'll do things in remembrance of him they'll sit here they'll laugh together they'll cry together they'll hurt together in remembrance of Jesus Jesus is so intentional with his ministry so intentional Many of the church historians believe that when, when the early church was doing communion, they didn't just think of, or actually, they didn't think of Christ's death. They thought of his life. That's, when I read that, I thought, that makes a whole lot of sense. This last uh, year, last winter, my grandma passed away. And if when my family gets together, we don't just sit there and remember my grandma at the moment of her death. We remember my grandma in the entirety of our experience with her. The time that I, uh, Thanksgiving was just an amazing time at my Alexander's house, full of love, full of joy, full of food. I remember being a little kid and going to her house and she reaches down with her cold hands and pulls my face to hers and kisses my forehead with her warm lips and I'll always have that and the very first thing when we come to the house it's after that is either freshly baked chocolate chip cookies or candy who didn't want to go to my grandma's house There was always something going on at the table. There was always food. There was always puzzles. There was always games. And there was always a lot of talk and laughing. That first church had that with Jesus. When they did this in remembrance of him, they didn't just think about his death. They thought about his life. The essence of who Jesus was. His laugh. His hurts. His teachings. His time with God. And they remembered that. So the moments that they sat together and and broke bread and drank... And they did those in remembrance of Jesus. They didn't just think about the sacrifice on the cross. They thought about the sacrifice of his living for us. The times that was scary. The times that he didn't care about being persecuted. The times that he sat with the tax collectors and knew that he would be ridiculed. They thought about that. Luke tells the story uh, in chapter 14 of a table. It's uh, Jesus actually telling the story. It is um, a parable of the great banquet. And he is sitting with a Pharisee, Jesus is, at this time. He's invited to their house. It was after a a church service. And he got invited to this, probably the head board member of the church. And he sits down with them. And Jesus starts asking questions, and they're really quiet. They don't really answer, but they're waiting for a chance to kind of back Jesus in a corner. And Jesus tells this story of the great banquet. He tells us of a, a man who invited certain friends to come to a banquet. And so he preps his house he gets the party ready and it's probably going to be an amazing party right and then it's all ready and he sends his servant and it's not something that was like a surprise it is something that has probably been on their calendar for a long time and the servant goes out and he, he meets the first one and the guy says listen I, I can't go I just bought a farm I bought a field I need to stay here, and I need to go check out that field. If you put that in comparison today, I, I, I kind of have a personal feeling to this. I just, in a couple of weeks, I'll be buying a house. I know this house. I've been to it. I've seen pictures of it. I know in and out we've had it inspected. I know what's wrong with it. I know what's going on. So if I just bought a house, I know everything about this house. The same goes for this field. This guy probably knew everything about this field. So it became an excuse because he said, I need to go check it out. I need to make sure it's, you know, still there. It was an excuse. The next one is um, I came up to another guy and he said, listen, man, I cannot come. I just bought these oxen and I need to go test them out. Relevant to my life again. uh, It's been about six months. We just purchased a car. We took it on a test ride a lot of times. Right? Just, we purchased it. If somebody came up to us saying, Well, Ben, you want to come and hang out? No, I need to go test drive it after I bought it. Doesn't make sense. It's another excuse. Right? The other one was a little bit more difficult. I did some research on this. The next one was that Jesus brought up was a guy that he came up to had just said, I got married. I just got married. So I can't come. My first thought was if I just got married and I said, well, you know, tomorrow I got this party to go to. See you, Michelle. Not a good way to start the marriage off. Right? But the more I did studies, uh, the process of being married And being in the process of being married is a very long process. It's not just something one day it happened on that date and then the next day we started it. They, They went through a process of being married. So it was just another excuse. And then the servant comes back to his master and says, Hey, please don't hurt me. Nobody wants to come. Frustrated, he has this amazing party set up. So frustrated, he, he just goes, listen, forget them. Go find the lame, the cripple, and the poor. Now, Jesus is being so intentional with this right here. Because you've got to remember his audience. His audience is the Pharisees. His audience is the early church. His audience are people of the law. And I'm not preaching against the law, don't hear that. But what I'm hearing is that they put the law above people. And he uses three categories of people, the lame, the poor, the crippled, who they viewed in a very negative sense. It wasn't worth their time to minister to them. It was either their sin or their family sin that got them in that situation. So Jesus is being very intentional. He says, go get the lame, the poor, and the crippled and bring them here so they can sit. And then he does and he goes, I got them. And it's not enough seats for being filled. So he goes, go out even further to the countryside. The Gentiles. People that are not of our kind. Bring them in. Fills up the table. And they party. And they love it. And then he says this last one. His last words to them at this time with the Pharisees for those who have excuses and don't come to my party will never taste the kingdom of heaven. Whew. Ouch. You've got to understand he's talking to religious people, he's talking to followers of God, at least that's what they believe, and he just hammers them right there. Today, I think, As a follower of Christ, we have two tables that God is always setting up for us. There are tax collectors in this world. There are the lame, the crippled, and the poor that the church doesn't do a good job at reaching out to. And their table is waiting for us. It can feel unsafe, and it can feel uncomfortable, and it can feel many things that we don't want to feel. But Jesus has set the table for us. And he is in waiting for us to show up. Because he needs us to bring healing to the broken. He needs us to bring the grace to the ones that are full of guilt he needs us to bring the mercy the joy the love and he's waiting for us to say yes to that table the other table that i believe that he has set up for us is the one just like this, the the last supper we are called together to be here together, to worship together, but also we are called to sit at the table together, to grow together, to love together, to pray together, to wash each other's feet, to call each other out sometimes. Again, uncomfortable, unsettling. He has shown us examples of how our relationships are to be at these table scenes. We live in a nation that's divided. That's undeniable. If you read enough Facebook posts, you know it. He calls us to be kind Caring, loving, and patient to all. I was sitting at my grandma Betty's table. Uh, We never had a fight about food. I wasn't the best eater, I hated vegetables. My mom would try and try and try to get me to eat, but some reason on that day on Thanksgiving, my mom would just give up because my grandma, all she did was make me a big basket of crescent rolls. And it was my basket. All the rest of the grandkids fought over the bean salad. I wanted bread. And it was full of peace and joy and happiness. And I remember all the talks that we had just ended up in laughter. There, don't get me wrong, my, my family was not perfect. We were full of mistakes and we are full of hurt and we've said things to each other, but it was like at this moment at the table, it was so much different. We are called to bring that to a world that is hurting, different from us, Somewhat even blaming us for their pain. And we might need to go and apologize. We might need to show forgiveness. We might need to show that we're humble. This is the table that God has invited us to. Growing up with a a single mom, she had her way, and it made our our family survive. It, It helped me get through high school. It helped me get through college. She had her way, and you associate that with setting the table. There is a certain way to set the table, and if you change things up like I would like to, it would drive her nuts. And I think as a church, we sometimes, even as individuals, have a hard time letting letting go of the control. Whereas God, I believe, setting the table for us in both scenarios. He's got a table that's already invited for you for the people that are lost and broken and hurting and need you. I believe it. He's also got a table already set for you that's full of disciples and full of people that love you and care for you and want to pray for you and be here for you. I believe it. But too many times we try to take the reins from God and set the table ourselves. And I believe it's all about comfort. We come on Sunday mornings and we do our time and we, we worship God this morning and it we put that time in and we we're refilled. And some of we says, Okay. But when I read scripture it is it's is not about me and my wants on a Sunday morning. We all have desires of how, what songs are played or how the volume of the music or Lord, please don't blind me today. Somebody says that's us trying to take control of the table. We're here to worship God. And don't get me wrong, I have styles that I like. But it's not about that. God has set a table, and if I'm going to say yes to sit there, guess what? I'm going to be moved. And from the moment that I say yes, guess what? I have taken all that control that I have desired in my life and, re- and just given it over to him surrendered it to him, and then guess what church becomes so much more real it's not just a sunday it's life this past seven years i've got to sit around an oval table with a staff that is full of care and full of wonderful people, but the more important thing is they're surrendering their lives to God and you see it when we sit down and talk. You see it when we cry. You see it when we have joy for people. The times we sit down Our first thought is, what, God, what does God want us to do? And I've grown so much for those times. That once a week is sitting at that table, it's unbelievable. But I've realized that table doesn't end right there. It goes on from day to day to day. And he's inviting me to any table that, he, that I'm willing to sit at. This morning, he's inviting you to a table that he's already prepared. Our prayer for you is that you don't have excuses. My prayer for you is that you don't hope that those people change before you come to the table because it's not going to happen. The table that God has set for you is a reason because they need to hear the grace and the gospel that has changed your life. I tell my students that they are paid missionaries. That they get paid to go to public schools. And at their schools, they can say anything they want about God. And that table that they get to sit at every day can be an opportunity to share the gospel. The same can be said to you when you're at work. Don't make excuses. I want us all to be at the table of the kingdom of God. This morning uh I want to end on the fact that I just want to pray for you. You have been a wonderful church to me and my family. And we love being able to sit at this table. Just because God has called us to go somewhere else doesn't mean that we're not going to be sitting at the same table. It doesn't mean that um, a relationship has ended because you are family. What it means is I get a new opportunity to make my family even bigger, but you get an opportunity to bring somebody else in to love on, to care for. That will inspire not only your church, but inspire your teens too. I believe it. I've challenged, I've challenged my teens, do not even compare. The next person that comes in, even as a senior pastor, and as a, if, if youth ministry is still, which I can't see, it's not doing, and Teresa is going to be amazing, is to know that God is in this. It might be frustrating sometimes, Know that God is in control. Let's pray. Generally, Father, we lift you up. You are... Sitting at the head of the table this morning. Maybe some of us have heard that we need to change some things in our life. Maybe some of us have heard that, all right, I need to go be with those people. They need to hear your your story, dear Mm -hmm. Lord. They need to experience your love. They need to experience your grace, your redemption. Maybe some of us are, are invited to a table that we know where we will grow, we'll be held accountable, we'll become servants. Lord, I pray that if there's any excuses that we've been been trying to sell you this morning, this past month, this past life, ever since we said yes to you, dear Lord, I pray that they're no longer excuses. I pray that we finally give up and say, Lord, yes, I'll be at your party. Yes, I will be at your table. I will no longer try to fit you at my table. Lord, when I'm uncomfortable sitting at your table, please show me comfort. Lord, when you stretch me to go sit with people that are not of my elk, of, a, of my persona, do Lord, teach me to be loving, teach me to show grace, teach me the words that I need to say, the actions to display your gospel Lord this morning may we taste your kingdom